Once upon a time, a small town boy from the south traveled across the ocean to the island of love called Cyprus. He grew into a fine young man on a mission to preach the gospel to the whole world. Then, one day, when he least expected it, he met a Polish girl. Risking it all, he asked her out on a church date. It didn't take long before they fell in love and lived happily ever after. Hold on, I missed the best part. They had a son, later diagnosed with autism, which changed everything. Then two years later, they welcomed a little girl with a heart of gold and a will of iron. They were missionaries and autism parents trying to keep the faith in sanity. Each week, they'll share their journey of love, faith, hope, special needs parenting, and everything else in between. Here is The Preacher and the Polish Girl. The autism spectrum. Ever heard of it? How vast is the gap between both ends of the spectrum? Are statistics accurate or should they be revised? We'll discuss it all in today's episode. You know, there are two extremes of the autism spectrum disorder, right? There is so-called low functioning or more severe end of spectrum. And of course, then we have so-called high-functioning end-of-spectrum, which the Asperger's syndrome falls under that end-of-spectrum category. And of course, our boy uh, would certainly fall, I guess, somewhere in the middle, maybe a little further toward the lower end. Our audience may not be familiar with the definition of autism and what the spectrum is um, covering. So let's bring, let's shine some light on the more severe end of spectrum. Uh, Why are we calling it more severe and how is it different from the so-called high functioning? Well, we had to learn all these terms, didn't we? We were forced to learn a new language when we were first getting Michael's diagnosis. And we're not fans of those definitions or labels. No, and we're certainly not fans of the tests that our kids have, have to, to do through. Yes. Uh, to basically prove how neurotypical they are or how neurotypical they're, they aren't. Atypical, yeah, or how atypical they are. In fact, I think even the teachers, um, they're not fans of the test either. What's Mm-mm. the term they use? It's, it's like an achievement test, but there's another, a benchmark. It's basically a benchmark test, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Michael's had to do a few of those. On the higher end of the spectrum, how would you define the high end of the spectrum in your experience? Well, usually when you think of high end of spectrum, you think of individuals with Asperger's syndrome. Again, Asperger's syndrome is different than the more classical autism or the more Mm -hmm. severe end of spectrum because people with Asperger's syndrome, even though they do suffer from, well, they live with similar difficulties like people on the more severe end of spectrum, Like sensory integration, they are often very sensitive to light or noise, texture. Um, they have problems wearing certain clothes. Repetitive or behaviors. Repetitive behaviors. And, and they are obsessed about certain topics and they can talk about that nonstop. They usually lack social cues, social mm-hmm. skills. They are socially awkward. They may have problems finding a relationship with the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Or even with peers, just Or even with peers, friends, yes, to yeah. find a peer group, yes. And I have met a lot of people that would fall into this category. Yeah. Even before I knew what autism was, I would have just considered someone with Asperger's just to be like the quiet kid that maybe is 
we would consider like a brainiac in school. Is yeah. really good at math. Is really good at science. And I've all and, and keeps to themselves. I've always met kids like that. Sure. Yeah. But the first kid I met, like Michael, mm-hmm. was Michael. Yes. Same. So let's let's talk about the the low functioning end of the spectrum. What you don't see in the movies and shows, and what isn't as publicized and as less glamorous, and less respectful. glamorous end. Mm-hmm. We can speak from our own experience. Mm-hmm. Usually children uh, with so-called low-functioning autism, they are predominantly nonverbal. They mm-hmm. have trouble communicating using words, even using communication devices like Michael is using. They have problems even forming a sentence or saying two-word phrases. It's a problem. Very often they show self-injurious behaviors. Mm-hmm. They have no concept of danger and they show escaping tendencies like Michael. Right. Getting back to the nonverbal, mm-hmm. let me just say for the record, what we mean by nonverbal is non-conversive, just not able to have a regular conversation. Michael is actually getting to a stage where he has a, a pretty good grasp of one-line sentences, mostly demands, mostly requests, I want such and such. But he also learns manners, mm-hmm. like asking politely, can I have so-and-so, please? But there are some children that will never say one word. Not right. even a one-word phrase or anything. And that's thankfully not where Michael is at. And we're seeing improvement on the nonverbal side of his condition, you right. could say. And this severe end of spectrum is rather a new phenomenon. I so agree. this leads me to the next topic I wanted to talk about, statistics. Yes. Because statistics say that now one every 28 children, I believe, is uh, considered to be on the spectrum. But what does it really mean? Before, Asperger's syndrome was a separate category. And a few years back, they put everything under the same umbrella. Mm -hmm. That increased the number of autism cases rapidly. Is it the true statistic or the statistic is inaccurate because of the severity? When we first got into the diagnosis, I remember I was looking more at Asperger's syndrome symptoms, and I envisioned that that would be what Michael's future would look like, that he would be maybe very repetitive speech. Mm -hmm. um, Obsessed about certain topics and just talking about it nonstop, even having so-called echolalia, which is repeating something that they heard, like lines from the movie, like Temple Grandin, a wonderful autism advocate, self-advocate, Uh, Again, she's on the Asperger's syndrome, and she memorized some of the movie lines, and she would be just Mm -hmm. speaking those or repeating the words that she would hear from her parents or, yeah. I never envisioned the nonverbal side of it, the nonverbal aspect. I never really envisioned the self-injurious behaviors, but really Michael's self-injurious injury behaviors were not really him just injuring himself except for some biting. Remember, he used to bite his forearms. And the thumbs. The thumbs. They were all bruised and even uh, scarred. He would would literally bite on his thumbs in frustration. Uh, Yeah, to the bleeding point. Yes, but that was really as as extreme as it got. Because he couldn't communicate his pain. Mm -hmm. He was in a lot of pain. He had a lot of gut issue. Digestive system was all messed up and that's another common thing that many children on the more severe end of spectrum share the concept of danger or rather no concept of danger i know that can apply to a lot of kids and i was probably kind of reckless 
on my BMX bike when I was a kid. Right. But it's different with a child on the autism spectrum. For example, Michael would literally just take off and in, run. in a full stride and no concept of a car coming in his direction. Or someone kidnapping him or animals being out there. Sure. No, no concept at all of safety or how to take care of himself and certainly no way to tell someone who exactly. he was and where he lived. That's the biggest concern for us as parents, that he wouldn't be able to tell where he lives, who his parents are. What our biggest battle, what our well, not just our biggest battle, but our biggest burden, mm-hmm. the thing that caused us to experience a great deal of anxiety, stress, and it did lead, I think, both of us, we, we experienced some milder or mid forms of, of depression. PTSD and PTSD. Is the escape tendencies. Yes. When you have a child who doesn't know why they want to get away, well, maybe they do, but they have no way to explain mm-hmm. that, but literally... At school, at mom and dad's house, at the grocery store, basically wherever you go with the child, Mm -hmm. you have to make sure, we had to make sure that we had a firm grip on Michael's hand because as soon as he got the chance, he would take off. Yes. And he took off from school. He took off from teachers. He took off from our parents. He took off from me and you. And Mm -hmm. we have seen drastic, dramatic, wonderful improvement in this area now that he's almost 16 years old. But certainly going back 10 years ago, even as little as five years ago, yes. maybe even less than three years ago, mm-hmm. this was the thing that kept us up at night. This was why we had the locks on every door. This is why we asked our relatives, make sure the child lock is on the car. Make sure the child lock, make sure the child lock. Did you lock the yes. door? Did you lock the door? Uh, if anybody has to go outside, did you lock the door? Did you lock the door? That is... I think the biggest fear for parents that have a child on the lower end of the spectrum is the escape tendencies. It has to be because when you add all the nonverbal, the self-injury behaviors, the no concept of danger, it it all comes to a head Mm -hmm. with those escape tendencies. Regarding health issues, how did his digestive issues, in your opinion, impact those behaviors such as self-injurious, trying to escape, how much you think of that was tied in with, with his health issues, particularly his digestive issues? Right. Well, we know that he was suffering from stomach pains and digestive issues. Basically, he was always bloated because he couldn't mm-hmm. digest food like regular healthy child. He was unable to sleep because he was suffering, but he couldn't express that uh, he was suffering. Sure. So one way for him, yeah, it? one one way of showing that to us was hurting himself and uh, biting his uh, thumbs because he was so frustrated that we don't read his mind. Basically, mm-hmm. of course, when we changed the diet and we got some help from uh, people on the spectrum themselves who tried different dietary changes and uh, tweaking their eating habits Found what a worked bit. for them. Right. And we adapted some of the ideas to Michael's diet and he improved drastically. He was sleeping through the night. The self-injurious behaviors faded away. He no longer bites his thumbs. He no longer throws remote control at the TV. He doesn't have outbursts of frustration and tantrums and meltdowns. Certainly to the level when he was younger. Yes. And of course, uh, escape tendencies, like you noticed before, when I was telling you that I was terrified because he got away from me one time not too long ago, Mm -hmm. but he had his goal to go around the house. He knew where his drinks were and to get the drink because he knew that mama doesn't like the idea of him having those drinks, especially in the evening. So he just ran and then ran away from me with this drink. So that he'd have time to finish it. <laughs> exactly. Just to explain so he to, had a goal. 
just to explain to our listeners, Michael has a an affinity. <laughs> I'm trying to not use the word obsession. Yes. But he has a strong affinity for, for a particular type of uh, cola drink. It's made with cane sugar. Yes. Instead of the traditional. Still not great, but still not better, great, than but better than conventional. Sure. Yes. But we have to keep it outside. We have to literally keep it on the porch because if it was just in the fridge, he would literally finish them one after one. If we put 15 bottles? 15 he bottles, would... He, would, he would drink 15 bottles in a row. Yes. 15 bottles in a row. We have to <laughs> kind of ration the supplies yes. and limit him on a daily basis. So what did he do when he came home with you a few weeks ago? Yes. He knew they were on the porch. Mm-hmm. He jumped out of the car, made a mad dash. Mm-hmm. For a late evening cola and, and then took around the side of the house so that he would have time to finish the drink before mom could catch exactly, up exactly but because it was an evening and because he stopped running away from me it brought back a lot of bad memories yes mm-hmm. but also you know i was not prepared mm-hmm. and it took me by surprise and i guess our chiropractic adjustments helped me to cope with the stress and like fight or flight response i didn't freeze I just ran after him because I knew I was like, okay, he's just going behind the house to the front porch to get his drink and he's going to wait for me. But no, he didn't. He ran around the house and towards the woods. So that freaked me out. But again, I got my courage and energy to run after him (laughs) and to scream my lungs out. Help, help, stop. And then eventually he stopped and he was drinking his drink so i was able to catch him but again like you told me it wasn't just running away from me for nothing it was running with his drink his <laughs> precious drink <laughs> my precious again yes and yeah getting back to the statistics mm-hmm. the potential that those statistics have to be skewed and I, and i use that term loosely i don't want to offend anybody um, that may be listening that has a child maybe on the higher end of the spectrum. Or they are themselves with sure. Asperger's syndrome. Mm-hmm. And we know that's a big spectrum. But what we have seen, just I witnessed ourselves and our personal experience going to conferences, talking with families, having social media pages, networking. Even going to therapy centers. Is that, yes, the statistics as far as the you know one and such and such, that is increasing. But how much of that is children like Michael and how much of that are children like you see portrayed in shows and movies like the Uh, good doctor or a rain man sure or Shelton from the Big Bang Theory so do we need to revise these statistics do we need Hmm. to compartmentalize and say basically if if you don't meet certain criteria that it would be considered outside the umbrella of classical autism and it goes exclusively under the banner of Asperger's? Or should mm-hmm. every kid just kind of stay under that one umbrella? And by the way, we don't like labels, no. but we know at times they are necessary. So we're not big fans of the labels anyway. Right. But for sake of just really knowing what's causing. Right. And let me tell you why I think they should be separate. And I liked when they were two separate disorders autism spectrum disorder children with asperger's they usually grow up to be independent self-independent adults who can live independently without any need for guardian Mm -hmm. or a shadow person they can usually even get a job it depends how far on the spectrum they are but of course it's a lot easier for individual with asperger's syndrome to learn social skills, 
to learn how to function in the society and even to find a job or get married and have families of their own. However, for someone like our son, Michael, it will be very difficult to live independent life. And that's our goal. Um, that's where we put all our efforts to teach him to live independently, to even prepare his own meal, to make his own bed, how to clean after himself. We're teaching him basically living skills. So one day, even if he decides to live in a community or something like that, he will be prepared to have a little bit more independence. Yes. I remember when we were in Washington, D.C., At the conference? Uh, At the conference, and there were congressmen and senators there and some high-profile government officials Officials. Mm -hmm. who were connected to autism and different Mm -hmm. outlets of autism. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking that uncomfortable question because they were talking about autism in the workplace and how employers are now employing individuals on the autism spectrum and the good success, particularly in Texas, that this was having. And I remember standing up and asking that particular government official, What about our kids? What developments, what light do you see at the end of the tunnel for children that are on the lower end of the spectrum, such as our son? Mm -hmm. And it kind of stopped that official in his tracks because he has a daughter that is on the lower end of the spectrum also. And he just kind of looked at me and said, I agree. There doesn't seem to be a lot of progress and a lot of hope for the time being. And And I think he realized what I was saying is that we don't really talk about our kids very much when it comes to employment opportunities, integration, implementation, trying to improve their lives. when you're a government official or representative of big corporation that is very famous in Mm -hmm. the autism world. And uh, they were there. Yeah, the famous one was there. The famous ones were there. And to speak about the ugly end of spectrum, it's it's uncomfortable. Let's not go there. Let's talk about the ones that have the hope and let's just pump it up. Let's show how amazing it is because employers, they're hiring those individuals on the autism spectrum again with Asperger's syndrome, highly intelligent, focused on specific engineering or coding, programming and stuff like that. And yes, that's That's wonderful for them. Of course it's wonderful. And we know these individuals have challenges, but we have to get away from the idea that autism is exclusively Asperger's or autism is exclusively Good Doctor or Rain Man or Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory versus the children like our child and young adults that we see in the therapy centers. That's right. Who are miles, it seems like a million miles away from the more famous version of autism. Right. And again, I'm glad that there is autism awareness raised on national level, international level. There are more characters, neurodiverse characters, especially with Savant syndrome, which is the genius syndrome, like Good Doctor, or uh, Asperger's, you know, Kirky, uh, Sheldon Mm -hmm. from Big Bang Theory. Uh, that still opens up conversation about autism. And they are showing some difficulties like social skills and stuff like that, which is, again, shared with classic form of autism. However, there are no shows showing, at least not that I'm aware of, that represent... What we live with every day. What we live. And again, we have to notice that this number, the hidden number of children like Michael that are nonverbal, that are more severe, more difficult to live in a society, is growing rapidly. But again, we don't know the true number because 
it's all mingled together with the Asperger syndrome, with the Savant syndrome, Fragile X syndrome, and all the other. And the thing is, these families need support. These yes. families need to be heard. Uh, these children are highly vulnerable, and we include Michael in that category. God forbid, and we're people of faith. We're trusting our Savior, but should anything happen to us, then we know that Michael is not in a position that a child with Asperger's would be in. So what about our kids? What about those kids on the lower end of the spectrum? We need answers, we need insight, and we need more awareness. Definitely. So so that's what we're going to be trying to cover in the next few episodes. What is the answer? And we know our answer. We're people of faith. We trust our Lord. But... We still need some resolve. We still need some forward thinking. We still need answers. We need inclusion also. We need awareness. Our kids need some type of safety net for their future Mm -hmm. in the unlikely but very possible scenario that their primary caregivers pass away or get to a stage where they can no longer care for their children. As we look for answers and strive for answers, we'll share them with you and we'll get through this together. Thanks for listening. See you next time.